unable. Swaanga, his limbs. Cheshtanya, to move. Shakuntaha, a bird. Eva, light. Hanjare, in a cage. Tatra, there. Lavdashmatihi, having gained his memory. Vaidat, by fortune. Karma, activities. Janma Shakta Udbhavam, occurring during the last hundred births. Smaran, remembering. Virga, for a long time. Anuchvasan, sighing. Sharma, peace of mind. Kim, what? Nama, then. Vindate, can he achieve? Translation, The child thus remains just like a bird in a cage without freedom of movement. At that time, if the child is fortunate, he can remember all the troubles of his past 100 births and he grieves wretchedly. What is the possibility of peace of mind in that condition? Please repeat. The child thus remains just like a bird in a cage without freedom of movement. At that time, if the child is fortunate, he can remember all the troubles of his past 100 births and he grieves wretchedly. What is the possibility of peace of mind in that condition. <laughs> After birth, the child may forget about the difficulties of his past lives. But when we are grown up, we can at least understand the grievous tortures undergone at birth and death by reading the authorized scriptures like Srimad Bhagavatam. If we do not believe in the scriptures, that is a different question. But if we have faith in the authority of such descriptions, then we must prepare for our freedom in the next life. That is possible in this human form of life. One who does not take heed of these indications of suffering in human existence is said to be undoubtedly committing suicide. It is said that this human form of life is the only means for crossing over the nescience of maya or material existence. We have a very efficient boat in this human form of body, and there is a very expert captain, the spiritual master. The scriptural injunctions are like favorable winds. If we do not cross over the ocean of the nescience of material existence in spite of all these facilities, then certainly we are all intentionally committing suicide. Thank you.
position, right? He's packed in here. And so it's being explained just like a bird in a cage without freedom of movement. So if we, of course, and we've heard in previous classes, right, that's not a comfortable position. If we're, if we ever get sick or we're injured and somehow we can't move like we normally move, it's a very unpleasant situation, right? Even if like, you know, I stub my big toe and it hurts every time I walk, that like tortures me the whole time. So, a lack of freedom of movement is very, or like we feel that as a very unpleasant situation. Why do you think that is? Because we want to move and act and do things and be free in that way. And why do we want to do that? Why do we, want, why do we like those things? Sensual, like our senses. Okay. Like, the senses have, perhaps, what's underlying. Um, well, I think because Krishna, he's, when he does what he wants, and, and you know, he's free. So you try to be like Krishna, but in other sense that because we're part and parcel of Krishna, uh-huh. so we all have that. Uh, we all have that sense that we want to be free and stuff because we're part of Krishna. Krishna's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have. So if we had to think about between you're saying we're part and parcel, and then um, Shiva is saying we want to, and is it related to the senses or what's where's that desire for freedom come from? Um, well, without getting into that yet, I also wanted to mention that there's there's a couple other things that living entities want. Like when you move, you kind of get a variety of experience, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're immobilized, it can get boring and disturbing for the mind. Uh, you know, like when you're when you're naughty, you get to put in the time out. You kind of sit there and look at the wall, and that's like a it's a it's a kind of punishment because nobody wants to do that, especially a child, because they want variety. So, Prabhupada said variety is the spice of life. So if you deny variety. That's a kind of uh, painful restriction. And uh, yeah, I think it was also touched on that. You, you kind of deny choice because the living entity wants to be able to have some, at least a sense that they're choosing their experiences. Okay. And if you deny that, then it's, uh, it's really difficult. Maybe someone else wants to say. Um, the soul is ever active. So uh, that's the 
authoritative at all. Exactly. So the reason that we desire freedom and we like the variety that comes from freedom of movement is because the soul by nature is active, right? Like one of the first things Bhagavad Gita explains about the soul. And then, if, so now if you think about it, like um, Shannon was saying, when we're a child, if we're not behaving properly, what's the punishment? You sit in time out, which means restrict the movements of the living entity, restrict your physical movements or mental movements. And so in the same way, in the greater sphere of the living entities, we say that there's moving and non-moving moving entities, right? And the non-moving entities are considered to have a lower consciousness, right? So it's like they're not able, they either didn't handle their responsibility in like a moving life, and so they get put back into a non-mobile life so that they don't cause trouble, right? So the same way. So in this way, then if we evaluate, we can see that the position of the human form of life, because we're moving and in some ways, um, yeah, we have the capability of lots of movement. Um, that's like a boot, just like a child who's behaving well in class, the teacher will allow that, okay, yeah, you can run down to the restroom or go take this to the principal's office for me or run this errand or do that errand. So the child who's well-behaved and responsible, they have more freedom of movement than a child who's not using their responsibility or their position in the classroom properly. Right? So we see that it's the same in that little cosmos, then it's the same thing in the big cosmos. Um, that our movements, our life, a life of restricted movement or non-movement is like a punishment. And the ability to move and that freedom of movement is increases as um, the consciousness progresses because the nature of the soul is to be active. So the more Krishna conscious we are, the closer we are to our natural position. And therefore, movement is a natural kind of, is the natural consequence of being more close to our position. And um, I very much made the point in one lecture that we can see that amongst devotees also, how devotees are able to travel so freely compared to quite a few other people. Um, and was just sharing with me how Jayapatak Swami even though his body is in such a miserable condition, he just did a world tour. Like, he just went from to India, to London, to Atlanta, down to South America, and now he's, like, on his way back to India, right? So, much less, like, a great businessman may have enough funds, or, but he may not have the interest somehow, or there's some restriction of movement, but the devotees are able to traverse all over the world quite freely because Krishna wants them to do the service. Their consciousness is so high. Uh, what's another example from... Some examples from Bhagavatam of devotees that are able to move freely. I think we talked about this a little bit. No, it was a different. It was birth and death. Well, Narada Muni has to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> but he can move anywhere, right? Not everybody can just go anywhere and everywhere. Hellish planets, the upper planetary system, everybody wants to go. Anybody else? Any other examples? I went to places I never dreamed of, like here, for instance. You know, when you're doing the teaching and the preaching, Puri Vajrachari, you just travel all over the world. All the devotees travel all over the world, preaching and going to festivals and all that, and they're just ever active. And yeah, they're just moving around and following in the footsteps of yeah. Narad Muni. 
I was thinking of um, like Hanuman and how he is able to traverse um, many distances to serve Sri Ram. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. So this is this this principle of freedom, why it's attractive to us and um, how we like it. So therefore, when we're in the womb, we don't have that freedom of movement. Um, so then the verse is explaining, at that time, if the child is fortunate, he can remember all the trouble of his past 100 births. So normally... One wouldn't consider it fortunate to remember like a torturous event. So why why is Bhagavatam making this contrast or using these two terms together? Why it says if the child is fortunate, he remembers all the troubles of his past one hundred births. So generally, we're happy like oh I have this nice memory of when I was a child, but like you know if there was any sort of abuse or just negative situations, we don't usually like to remember them very much. So we don't really consider like, hey, unfortunate because I remember all the horrible stuff I went through in my life, right? So why is Bhagavatam saying that if the child is fortunate, he actually remembers his troubles? In order to grow spiritually. And, and how, how does that help? How does it work? Can you just detail? Uh, I mean, I would, I would think that somehow that's a innate reflection on your previous life so whether that could have been a more spiritual life and so you bring that into the present to help you continue to grow at a deeper level or if you have had memories of a, you know of struggles then again it's helping you to learn how to navigate those struggles mm -hmm. um, I can give an example of my son Christopher who knew the Bible at a very young age and I never read the Bible. So he knew certain um, you know, excerpts that he would dream about. You know, and it was like he he had that knowledge prior to anyone ever sharing that with him. So it's interesting, you know, how certain people can remember those things more viscerally or mm -hmm. visually, you know. Yeah. So holding on to spiritual knowledge, how it helps even across lifetimes. Yeah. Um, excellent. And yes, so it does help with spiritual progress and we've talked about in previous classes. How is it that remembering troubles of previous births, how does that give us some more details? What are some more examples of how that helps us grow spiritually? Maybe it makes you more grateful for your present situation. Okay. That could be one thing. Shila Prabhupada explains that um, through uh, the hard times and the um, repentance and prayer that we go through, then we actually can get purified from um, those past sins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one thing is that understanding that struggles or what we generally term as like negative experiences, there is a reaction from sinful activities in our past life. And so when we remember those often that does help us kind of repent like oh wow like I used to do that to people or I used to be that way 
uh, like especially if we experience it ourselves and then we think like, ooh, maybe I've done that to someone else before. That's like, yeah, it doesn't feel so good. I really shouldn't do that anymore. Like I, if I still have that proclivity. So repentance comes into the heart. It helps us adjust or like change the way that we're doing things. Um, to what you just said of being conscious of what I did in my past so that I know I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Some way, some consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the soul has matured and is evolving to get that good fortune mm-hmm. to look back. And um, usually, the conditioned soul, when we look back, we grieve that we didn't enjoy more and we could have changed things yeah. to enjoy in another way. Yeah. But um, the soul has reached that stage of evolution where he can see that. That was not happiness. That mm. there were actually troubles. Yeah. So coming to knowledge, right? Um, and of the four types of pious living entities that come to Krishna, he says the one who's seeking after the truth, one who comes in knowledge, they're more mature in their approach to Krishna, right? In Bhagavad Gita, it says the others, they're coming out of distress or for wealth. They may, when they get their desire fulfilled, they usually like go away again or there's that tendency. But someone who's coming to find knowledge and somebody who's particularly searching after the absolute truth, um, they'll actually stick with the path. So like you said, so when we, when the, the troubles help us understand the truth of the material world, that it's not, our happiness doesn't lie in the in better sensual facilities or like that, then Right? we're actually going to make solid progress on the spiritual path because it's no longer, you know, we're, we've shifted to finding the truth and that's the stability, like that's the solid part of, of things. Any other comments, questions? I think related to the last point that when one remembers um, things that they've done that they regret or difficulties, times of trouble, if... Uh, they may be given the, the, the intelligence to be able to connect that with their current situation. Mm. You know, to get, a, to get a sense of responsibility, to get a sense of cause and effect. But the universe actually works like this way, that you know, you put some energy out and you do some stuff and stuff happens to you and they're actually related. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah, yeah. And like training children, that's also like in, in like the pre-kindergarten age, they don't, they're just beginning to understand kind of like cause and effect, that like if I do this, my friends don't like it, or if I do this, like it's not appropriate in the thing. So there's this maturing in our journey um, in spiritual life where we begin to understand that also. Yeah, I've just been thinking about uh, pretty much all of these points, but just, I mean, really, how, like how extremely fortunate to know, like at a young age, that you've had previous lives to know the reality of this world, to know that truth, and you can't deny it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you might, you could end up feeling completely crazy if you don't know anyone else like you. Um, but I just, it's extremely fortunate because you can then have this constant anchor to ground you and move forward and, and try to make better choices and try to grow closer to God. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like bittersweet, you know, it's mm-hmm. like tasting, well, it's, it's bittersweet in that you, um, 
you know the truth, but it's extremely difficult. It's painful to know that truth in this, in like maybe in a visceral, physical sense, uh-huh. in a bodily sense, like oh, I've gone through these pains, like you're um, feeling them. Uh-huh. That's kind of the bitter thing, but the sweet part is that you know what's poisonous in the beginning is that is actually nectar and and, and it relates to what they say, right? As the, if the child is remembering these troubles, he grieves wretchedly. So he actually is going through, like, psychological, probably physical pain of remembering, like, oh my God, that's what I've gone through. That's what I've experienced, like, in whatever way, shape, or form that comes through. And so then Prabhupada's saying, of course, what are the, the shulkas saying? What is the possibility of peace of mind in that condition? Right? So it's definitely... Um, a very troubled state of existence and but it has that benefit the whole reason or the whole opportunity because if the child is fortunate the whole opportunity is that it can give one um, there's and I couldn't remember where I, the shulk is but I love it, the English part at least um, so it says, it's I think it's Bhagavatam the first canto but I'll try to find the chapter if you want um it says, it's better for a moment of full realization rather than a life wasted by inexperience in this world. So that just having one moment of truth, like a glimpse into this is actually what it is, is much more beneficial than even if that's the exist that your entire existence is just that one flash. But that flash of truth is more potent than living for a hundred years without any realization. Because it says, because it gives one the impetus to seek after the truth some more. Like you said, you have that spark, so you want to seek after it again. So that's the benefit or the boon of being fortunate in this intense situation, is that we somehow, in the soul, in the mind, in the heart, there's this desire, let me not go through this again. Let me find a way out. So now, in the purport, Prabhupada explains that after birth, the child may forget about the difficulties of his past lives. And that's what we see, right? As soon as we come out, very few people actually remember any past life experiences. There's lots of research of, there's many, in that sense, many people that do or have those experiences, but it's not like really the average person who's understanding, like, this is what I was in my past life. Um, in some ways, that's also a boon of the material energy. But the whole thing Prabhupada is explaining here, when we are grown up, we can at least understand the grievous tortures. And like Shana Prasprabhu has pointed out, right? Prabhupada using really intense words here, grievous tortures. And most of us don't think like, hey, that's a good way to describe life. Like, life is okay. You know, like, what are you doing calling it grievous tortures? But that's actually what it is, and it helps us realize the intensity of it. Is that undergone at birth and death. And the whole, and here he's saying, so when we grow up, how is it that we can understand? Because we're not remembering our actual experiences from a previous life, most of us. Um, when he's saying, there, so therefore we take shelter of the sh- scriptures, like Srimad Bhagavatam. And so in that study or in that connection with Srimad Bhagavatam, we gain that knowledge that this material world is not a happy place, it's not our home. And the real place for us to find happiness is in serving Krishna. Um, so the next point that Prabhupada makes is, is or I'm going to skip down a little bit. So he 
he ties that in at the bottom. He's saying, right, it, it is said that this human form of life is the only means for crossing over the nescience of maya or material existence. And that's the boon of taking birth in a human mother's womb, is that we're getting a human form of life. It's the option. It's the opportunity. It's the loophole in the cycle of samsara to get out. So to take that thing... And he's describing here, right, we have a very efficient boat in this human form of body. There's a very expert captain, the spiritual master, and the scriptural injunctions are like favorable winds. Anybody know where that's from? It's probably quoted in there, but it's not from there. So, and this is a very, um, actually there's a really nice, audio clip from Vishnu John Swami and he like sings this in English he's like we're on a big boat and like sings the whole thing yeah to, if you, on YouTube it's got to be in there somewhere I was trying to find that last night but um, it's really cool so this is actually from the 11th canto of the chapter pure devotional service and so this analogy is given there that the human form of body is it's a very efficient boat so not just like any old boat like we're talking about that actually knows how to sail <laughs> so Melissa Ling too um, so, right, some boats are, like, big and bulky and probably very unruly to manage, and others are, like, hey, this is, like, your speedboat, it'll, like, cut right through the water, or, like, you can know how to manage it properly. So the human form of body is called a very efficient boat, um, that we're in a very, it's a very beneficial existence for spiritual growth. Um, and what are the other components? So we have the captain, the expert captain. Not any captain will do. <laughs> if you put me on a sailboat, don't have me be the captain. You're not going to get very far. <laughs> so you need an expert captain. It is the spiritual master. And the scriptural injunctions are the favorable winds. Right? So we were talking yesterday. She, Margaret was explaining that uh, she knows one person who does, what is it called? Kite? See? Yeah. Kite boarding. So it's using like a balloon or some kind of sail thing to like move around. On, what's the bottom one? Just like a surfboard? Or? It's like a surfboard, yeah. Okay. Right? Wakeboard, right? Your feet strapped Okay. Yeah. All right. Surf is crazy. Oh. Okay, so then she was explaining to you, she's like, there's a lot of danger in that, you know, like trying to navigate the water. All of a sudden, there's no wind, and you're stuck out in the middle of, like, the ocean or wherever you chose to go sailing on a wakeboard with, like, a deflated kite thing or whatever. Or if the winds are too strong, yeah, you can get lifted up and you go too far away, right? So this whole thing is, like, quite a dangerous situation. So therefore, um, we're in a boat ourselves, this human body, so therefore an expert captain and favorable winds. When you have just the right amount of breeze, it's a pleasant experience. You can move across, you can navigate those waters as easily as possible. But if the winds are not favorable, then or you don't have any wind, you know, like you don't have any knowledge, then you can't move around, you're just stuck. So in this situation, right, this is important for us to understand and what humans are supposed to understand is that we have this opportunity and to take advantage of these facilities that are here. In order to take advantage of the facilities, um, Prabhupada brings up an important component in the beginning of the purport. He says, if we do not believe in the scriptures, that is a different question. So what is this component that we need in order to take advantage of these facilities? 
Um, so same way, like a service, we attentive and understanding Krishna is actually a personality, and so he has that component. And usually, initially, we overcome the whole concept of like, is he God or not? So the supreme personality of Godhead. That's usually, by the time you come to the temple, usually some of that has gotten worked out that, okay, he's, of all the personalities or all the energies that I may think about, then we come to the conclusion that, yes, he's actually God. Um, but so these, these doubts um, plague us still as we go through our journey. Um, and... Krishna tells Arjuna already, like to, in 42, he tells Arjuna how to deal with the doubts too. He says, therefore, the doubts which have arisen in your heart out of ignorance should be slashed by the weapon of knowledge. And he says, armed with yoga, O Bharat, stand and fight. So um, that clue how to clear the doubts, how do we progress through that, um, is to keep interacting with the shastras. And reading the shastras... Um, to develop faith. It's another component that if we have kind of a jnani tendency, um, we may read for intellectual knowledge, or we may read to acquire more knowledge. Karmis like to acquire things, and jnanis like to acquire knowledge. So they like that mental satisfaction of, wow, I've read like a hundred books, and you know, I can quote from this one and that one. Um, but the actual purpose of reading the shastras, even if we read a hundred shastras, the purpose is to develop the faith. And so if that faith isn't getting developed, we have to rethink about it and kind of go back over that um, at some point. And then the last thing that Prabhupada's saying um, is that what is the result of faith or what is the symptom of faith? And what, just from your experience, if you have faith, what's kind of like the natural consequence? I just saw a uh, conversation between one devotee, Atul Govinda, in Tucson, and this um, like atheist who was doing this thing called street epistemology, something like that. Anyway, but he said something really nice that I resonated with, but that from faith, it deepens into trust. Because mm. um, it's like I, I put my faith somewhere, and then I see how Krishna shows up, or I, see, you know, or I put my faith in a person, I see how they show up, and I trust them. So I would say that, and in my experience, I also find that's true, that when I have faith, then when that faith is kind of like supported, then I'm like, oh, I can trust. Okay. Right. So what else? In one of the verses quoted from the fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, the positive one, Krishna gives the three qualifications of a person. And the first one is shatava, which means they have faith. Tatpara mm -hmm. uh, means they're dedicated to transcendental knowledge. Mm -hmm. So... It's, it's like it's a fine point. It's like having faith and doing something about it are related, but they're actually Krishna devising or not. Because you can, you can like believe in something, uh -huh. really believe in something, but not actually be dedicated to it. Uh -huh. But he's saying you believe in it and you dedicate to it. And also, um, something tend to be how you control your senses. Yeah. So you don't like waste time doing nonsense things when you could be being dedicated to it. So it seems like that's the kind of bridge. Yeah, yeah. So this, it, this is the connection that from faith we act a particular way. It should translate into our actions. Um, like, Marge gave an example one time, he's like, even in the material world, we have faith. I have faith that the airplane's gonna take me from here to there without crashing, otherwise I want to step onto the airplane. 
right? I have faith that the car is going to drive and like work properly. Therefore, I sit in the car and I go. I have faith that the ground is going to hold me up. Therefore, I put my foot on the ground and take the next step. So we're actually always, if we don't have faith, we can't, we won't act that way. And we may not always be conscious that we're having faith in these things. But like you said, I have faith in a friend. And when, so I behave in a certain way that gets reinforced and it deepens into trust. So, um, yeah, so faith leads to action. Um, and here he says that, that Prabhupada's explained, if we have faith in the authority of such descriptions, then he's giving us what is the action, then we must prepare for our freedom in the next life. And that is possible in the human form of life. So, like you said, that dedication that the Krishna's explaining, that there should be faith, and then dedicated to transcendental knowledge. So that component is to move forward in spiritual life, we have to have that dedication. Direction and dedication both have to be there. We can, have, we can also have dedication to a lot of like material things, and then we're not going to go in spiritual life. But um, that's the whole direction that we want to go, is that as our faith develops in the shashas and what the shashas are explaining to us, then in our life that starts to translate into preparing for our freedom in the next life. And that freedom in the next life um, is explained, right, from, or there's tons of places it's quoted, but uh, it says, right, we become free from, <laughs> free from the bench. conception of life and that's that's always in devotional life an important distinguish like distinction to make it's not necessarily freedom from a material body but freedom from the material conception of life because if we're free from the material conception then we may be in a body but we're not affected by the body and we're able to use that body 100% for Krishna's service and that's where we see Prabhupada totally free from the bodily conception of life but coming into this world, taking the human body in order to share transcendental knowledge with others. So his, the perfection of his life isn't to get free from his body, but free from that material conception so that he's able to share, one, have transcendental knowledge and then pass that on. So that's, and that's, comes, and then we get into, those are the practices of Krishna consciousness. How do we prepare for our freedom? is by following the process of Krishna consciousness, then we're one, that's what we want to become free from, is the conception of material life. And which naturally translates into action as well, but just to aim, I always like, I used to think, yeah, I want to be out of the body, I want to be liberated. <laughs> so it's my general like tendency, even in Krishna consciousness, and slowly it's getting hammered in like, no, you have to be free from the material conception. <laughs> of life, like, don't be co so caught up in, like, what's going on with the body, like, don't stress out about this and that, whatever's happening to the body, get focused on Krishna, and then whatever's happening with the body just isn't going to be such a big deal, and so that's that freedom from the conception of life, and things like austerities help us, you know, especially when we first start in Krishna consciousness, 
waking up at four o'clock in the morning is a big austerity. <laughs> and we don't like it, but then we force ourselves to get up and then we realize, hey, the body can do it, the mind can do it, and I'm gonna live. I'm, you know, like some people are really scared that like they're gonna get sick if they wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Like, I'm not gonna be healthy, I'm not gonna get enough sleep, and like we have all these fears that come in from our bodily interests. Um, but have a little faith, look at the devotees, realize, oh, look, they're doing this, and, you know, they're just fine, they're surviving, life is fine. Um, and that helps us grow in our own realization and get free then from that conception of life once we train the body to operate under, and our mind to operate under the guidance of the Shastra, then they get cleared out from, from those fears and like that. So, any realizations, comments, questions? Seems like uh, doubts are a big thing, yeah. and uh, they need to be cleared. But um, um, maybe you could say something about how we can have more faith in the shastra if we have more faith in who's presenting the shastra, yeah. um, and how we can help ourselves and others to understand, you know, where where Shastra is coming from and, and especially like immediately, you know, Srila Prabhupada, his books. Mm. So how we can uh, uh, better have faith. I mean some people just think maybe Prabhupada's like a another academic or I don't know what they think, but um, just it seems like if there's not enough faith in acharyas, mm. then there's lack of, there's a lot of doubt. Yeah. Um, so definitely, I think which Shaka Sarat Upanishad, what does it say, right? When, when to one who has implicit faith in Guru and Dhamma, all the, all the imports of the revealed scriptures um, are just open to them. Uh, so, th yeah, the component or the, the benefit of having, understanding the importance of the Acharya and having faith in the Acharya and the spiritual master to pass on transcendental knowledge um, is very vital. And if we, if for some reason, we're not um, in association where we've seen um, that how that is beneficial, like we don't have like for some reason real life knowledge. Um, if we read, if we have faith at least in the Shastra and we read in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains to Arjuna that that is the way to get transcendental knowledge. So he says, right, like Tatvidi Pranipatina, um, whatever the doubts are. It's, you probably have a little I don't, my it seems like some, for some people until they see something they don't believe it or like like even Prabhupada was a little hesitant to go to Bhakti Siddhanta because he'd seen so many cheaters so you have this idea like there's not really anybody who's you know properly situated like they can't really give knowledge they're still like materially motivated but once he went and heard and saw Bhakti Siddhanta then like those doubts were cleared out for him um, and 
So that seems to be one component um, that comes through and is also part of the spiritual journey from what I understand that, you know, like people can just go and accept anybody as a guru, but if, if you actually realize like what, like theoretically this is the role of the guru and he's actually supposed to take me out of the material world, uh, then if, you know, if I'm generally I should be thinking like, okay, let me like actually find out who's qualified, you know, it's like, sure, I could just say like, I have to go to college and I go to any old college, but like, if I actually want like a proper degree and like be like qualified, then I'll do some like research or some evaluation, um, to find that out. And that evaluation should be building faith in, okay, this is the qualification of this university to give me this degree so that I can achieve this, um, I, is that anyone else have things to add there? Well, I'm just thinking too, like um, <clears throat> when you see the fruit of someone's knowledge or someone's devotion, how that builds faith. And, and I remember, you know, for myself, this realization I've had too about sharing Krishna consciousness when. You know, when I started watching, like, following Srila Prabhupada videos or, or memories of Srila Prabhupada and just, like, like seeing the kind of character that he had, not only, like, what he was saying or, like, what he, you know, but just how he carried himself, how he interacted with people on a practical level, mm-hmm. then that, like, opened up my ability to then receive what he was saying. Because Prabhupada may say something, you know, grievous sufferings or, like, something very harsh or he may say something, you know, something very, like, uh, point like pointed about material nature or the fools and rascals or whatever and if I don't know how he actually carries himself uh, on a day to day basis then I'll be like this guy's just angry you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in a similar way um, I feel like also, so my openness to receive Sri Prabhupada's books you know blossomed when I started knowing a bit more who Sri Prabhupada was and, and then that also goes to the point of like as as deputies of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sharing Krishna consciousness, how much we should develop our character and qualities so that people become attractive and open to what we say. Mm. Um, so just some thoughts. Yes, yes. Mm. Any other realizations? Shri Mahaprabhu Tamaki, 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 Shri Mahaprabhu Tama